Hey everyone, welcome back to Tales of Recovery. Today, I have the privilege of talking to my friend Cole La Rochelle, creator Cole on Instagram. I met Cole about a few months ago in Colorado at the most intense weekend, one of the most intense weekends I've experienced in my 50 years of life. It was beautiful, and Cole was such a huge part of my journey in this three-day weekend, as well as my daughter's. And so when I reached out to Cole to see if he'd come on the podcast and he said yes, I was like, oh, yes, because I want everyone to hear about your experience, about what you bring forth to humanity in order for us to see the possibilities of changing not just ourselves, but those around us, the communities around us and of course the world, and to offer your magic to everybody else. So thank you for, um, for being here today. Yes. And welcome. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having me on here. It's so good to talk to you. I know, I miss you. I want to come back. I might be back. I don't know, either November or the next one for sure. Yep, soon. It's in the plans, yes. Okay, so Cole. Um, could you explain us? Can you just tell us? And maybe I can just give a little preface of like I show up there, there's a medicine circle. I'm with you know, one of the most intensive and full of love teachers that I've worked with, which is Miranda Bennett, um, Boundless Warrior. And here come, you know, here comes her crew, and then here comes Cole, and I'm like, that kid is bomb. And the first encounter I had with you was you were laying hands on me on my chest, and I just all of this sensation, all this grief that I've been holding just came out. And I was just like, yeah, I really needed that to come out. I felt your tenderness. And I've been working with a lot of people. But, you know, there's always like, you know, those kids or those people. And I call everyone kids because I feel like we're all kids, even my elders. Um, that just touch you in a way where you're like, okay, I want what I want to work with him. Mm-hmm. with her or that person like what is going on here so tell us if you mind because I also was very surprised that you're like one of the youngest ones there mm-hmm. yeah. yeah my daughter who was 20 at the time was like I like Cole and he's kind of my age and I'm like yes thank you mm-hmm. great spirit for doing this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so me and so I am the youngest I just turned 21 so just yes. had my birthday um but yeah the sacred way, that's what we're really touching at here. It is, it's led by my elder, Miranda Bennett, also known as Boundless Warrior. Um, and it's not even a retreat. It's, it's, you can't put into words what the weekend is. It's more of an intensive. And the whole goal of that weekend is to really, at least my goal on why I show up there, because we all hold different medicines. My goal is to help people break past their illusions and their egos and their fears so that they can really embrace their ancestral medicines, their natural, supernatural gifts, all of the medicines that have kind of been kept hidden or pushed down because they're afraid to face it. It's very much in the lens of like shadow work, but it's an intensive, so it's pushed into the three days. And I remember that's a big thing people always kind of get like, what about is when they get led down to the medicine wheel. Because Miranda is within the Lakota tradition and the medicine wheel is a very powerful symbol within that. And so when we 
when everyone is standing around the wheel, you're literally standing in the elements. You're being spun in the elements. And the elements are very humbling, right? Fire can be very destructive and hurt a lot. Water can drown. Air can suffocate. Um, earth can be very intense. And so when you're in those elements, people naturally gravitate towards the direction, the element that their soul needs. We don't assign seats, we don't do anything, but yet spirit does it for us. Spirit is the, um, the what's it called? Like the class chart, the seating chart. So it's <laughs> very powerful. Yeah. And so this is this how you began this kind of work? Like, have you always been a seer since you were a baby or like, how did you get into this type of work? Because not all 20, 21 years old are as, you know, as directed in what they're doing as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up, so my family is into the work, but on my end of my family, my bloodline, it's really shameful. You, I grew up being told like, you don't tell anyone, you'll lose it if you tell people. Um, and we always thought it was mainly my dad. My dad was the one that, And as I began to do this work, I found more out about that. But in the very beginning, when we were little, I'll never forget. Oh, gosh, I was like seven or eight. And we were sitting in my living room. And my living room is attached to my kitchen. And they were like, okay, it's time for you to go to bed. And I was kicking and screaming. I was like, I don't want to go into the kitchen. There's a ghost. There's a ghost. I'm not going into the kitchen. And my dad, if if y'all ever meet my dad, my dad is a very stoic, very man of few words, very scary looking. And... (laughs) He grabbed me and he pulled me kicking and screaming into the kitchen. And there was, I couldn't physically see the ghost, but I I could track it. I could feel where it was. And my dad pulled me upstairs into his bedroom and shut the door. And I was like, oh my God, I'm in so much trouble. And he then sat me down in a very, is the best way you can explain to a seven or eight year old, um, the things that we can do. And the big thing that the lesson he taught then was the power to feel energies that weren't necessarily physically seen. And so he would push his like um, energy into mine and I could feel it. And I pushed my into his, but the second we had this beautiful moment, it was then crammed down my throat and really instilled into me that you don't share this with anyone. This is extremely scary and fearful and it's shameful. You should not be happy. You can do this. And so I grew up from the age of eight from knowing all the way until 19 so like 10 years 11 years of knowing that this is something shameful and I shouldn't share and that really began to shift when so I went to school for a year in San Diego and when I was in San Diego um my gifts usually when you're around 20 depending on the bloodlines and all the stuff things really begin to accelerate and it was getting really intense I was literally going to sleep in a Like I was in a dorm room next to a highway, but I was hearing jungle and it would trip me out. I was like, wait, I'm I'm in a, I'm in a dorm room next to a highway. Why am I hearing a jungle? And then I had a roommate and um, he had a Xbox and the Xbox would turn on randomly at night and just my papers would get shifted. And I had like a makeshift altar at my table, but I didn't want to scare like the college kids. So like, it kind of just looked like my desk, but I was starting to step more into it and things were beginning to come in more. And I remember one night I was, I really was not happy in San Diego. And one night something hit the bottom of my bed and it shook my bed. And I sat up and at the bottom of my bed, there were like these three women and they were like, it's time for you to go, go do your work. And I was, I was more scared than like, whoa, in the moment. Cause now I'm very thankful and it makes me emotional, but 
in the moment, it was like, what is this? And then they went away. And then literally two days later, I found Miranda. And then I, and Miranda, which is interesting, is based in Colorado, where I'm from. Mm. So when I went there, that in itself is a whole story. But that's how I got into. <laughs> Can I ask you this? Because I find this interesting. Um, well, there's two things. Because so Paula, my daughter, would always see people. Mm. I'd be like, there's no one there. Just go to bed. Just stop it. But I can see them. And I'd be like, well, No. You know, so now, and, and we spent a lot of time now, me kind of apologizing to her, like, you know, I, I know you did probably see someone. I think I saw people when I was little, but it was just so, like, dismissed. I, to be honest, wouldn't even tell anybody. I was just so scared. So I want to ask you, like, why, why do you think your dad, like, why do you think this was shameful because of the religion? Um, toxic religions that we've been oppressed by for two, three thousands of years. Hundred percent. So, my the big thing for my dad is so my grandpa is the first in my on my dad's side to live in civilization. Before that, they were um, they lived in lumberjack camps, and before that, basically, long story short, for my bloodline is I'm French, and then I'm also Blackfoot, and so a lot from my dad's side and so from my dad's side what happened was is they came over from France and then they like really before like New France and then they mixed with the indigenous people which was Blackfoot mm -hmm. and then from there they began to work together and so my grandpa like my, my great grandpa was they all grew up in lumberjack camps that was mm -hmm. how they grew up they were very connected to the land and during that time the work was something that was like my my great-grandpa and my great-grandma, they were very reverent in their space. My great-grandma was known for being like, if you got sick, you'd go to her. She was really good with illnesses. But again, it was, again, that really traditional teaching of you don't take anything in, in exchange. It's all about spirit working through you when you're working with spirit. And my great-grandpa, his big thing was um, like, I'll lose it if I... Am I, if I become ego with it, like, oh, I can do these things. And so that was passed down through okay. my grandpa. And then my grandpa, he did, he used to be a, um, one of the crazy stories, there's just so many. One of the crazy stories is when they were cutting wood as a lumberjack camp, one of the men missed the uh, wood and the, it hit, the axe went straight into the main artery in the lake. And Oof. my grandpa, he was like, oh, I want to say 12, 13, ran over and put his hands around the man's leg and his leg stopped bleeding until the people came. And then they healed, they were able to patch him up. Right. And everyone at the time was kind of like, the best thing my grandpa says, it was the looks. It wasn't necessarily what they did. It was the looks of like, what did this kid just do? Yeah. And then when he got home, his, my great grandpa beat the hell out of him because he was like, you can't be doing that. People are seeing you like, this is shameful. This is not something mm -hmm. you should be proud of. And so that trauma right yeah. was passed down and that initial pace of it comes from like that was you were killed if you were did that a long time ago you know and yeah. it's not even that long time ago if we think about it like and it's still to this day people give you the give you the look you know if you say oh i'm a quote-unquote healer oh i do this stuff they're like okay you do some crazy shit you know and so <laughs> that mentality has passed down through the bloodline and it really stopped with me because my dad still passed that down. And when I, I first started with tarot, that was the first thing. I would not dare touch anything more than tarot because I was like, I don't know what's to come. 
And I started charging for tarot, not much, but I started charging. My dad was like, you're going to lose the gift. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. And it, it just felt wrong. I was like, no, I'm not. And I kept pushing it. And sure enough, I didn't lose it. Mm-hmm. I just kept getting better. And then I started working with Miranda and I moved more into the ancestral work and then the shadow work. And it just kept accelerating. And that myth or his belief, it started to shatter because he was seeing like, my son is doing work that is so much greater than at least what he feel like he's done. And it's not going away. And it, it's been really healing for not only him, but me, because it's like that belief of this work is shameful. This is something to hide is like kind of dissolving. Yeah, the fear that quote unquote whoever imposed is now beginning to mm-hmm. not work anymore. Right. Because of people like you. And that's that's one of the exciting things I was thinking about yes last night and this morning as that we were as I was preparing, you know, to meet with you today. Like I have so many younger, like younger generation friends that are doing this type of work. Um and it's so exciting because you know, most of us think, well, if you're not, you know, 80 years old, 70, you're not a wise elder. I know a lot of old people that are not very wise, <laughs> you know, yeah. including people doing the work. And it's like, what? Just what? What are you doing? Like, times are changing. You need to soften up. You know, mm-hmm. to allow women to come in. And so, um, the fact that you're, that your generation, like the younger kids are doing this is, it's very impressive and very exciting for me, especially as a mom with kids. You know? mm-hmm. Yes, no more fear. And it, you know, it's taken me years of in and out, in and out. Yes, I can do this, but no, I better not. Yes, I can do this, no, I better not. It's not even, and maybe it is that we were also sent down like this message of shame. It's more of like, oh, that's ridiculous. Mm. Which is shame dressed up in victorian whatever bullshit right yeah but uh yeah but so thank you thank you for pushing through and and helping with that and yourself and all of us yeah all right so then after these the visit of these three wise women they came Mm -hmm. to tell you that it was time to leave you met miranda and what do you do? You're like, I'm, I'm quitting college. You just moved back to Colorado. How, how did that go? So this happened in November. I was going home for quote unquote Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing in itself. That could be an episode. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> so I was going home for that time. And um, as you know, Miranda lives in the middle of, am I allowed to cuss on this? Of course. Okay. Miranda lives in the middle of like <laughs> fucking nowhere, as you know. And I'm from like, kind of like city. So it's like an hour drive to get to her place. And she lives in this beautiful ranch and I pull up to it. And this is my first time ever being at the ranch. Little did I know I basically live there. I'm there like three out of five days a week. It's insane. But um, I pull up to the ranch and she's standing in the door and I'm like, okay. And I walk in and she takes me into um, what is what we call the healing room. And we walk in there and I sit down and I don't cry a lot. You, you know me. I'm very like, I got to be strong for everyone. And I fucking broke down just being in that room. And cause me even going there was like me kind of betraying my dad in the sense of like, mm-hmm. I am um, sharing with someone what I can do or what I'm experiencing. And I'm, I'm seeking help in this. And so, and I didn't have to say anything. I remember the first way she ever said to me was, I know. 
And then I just started to fucking cry. And then I started to tell her what was happening to me. And I didn't feel crazy about it. And I didn't also feel, which I feel like is a big thing now with the new age and love and light movement is put on a pedestal for what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, people don't realize how traumatic it is to see shadows. People don't understand how traumatic it is to be getting <laughs> dream downloads, right? It's like, oh my God, you are this beacon. And it's like, it's powerful, but there's also the flip of it. And so sitting there with her in that way, it, there was no judgment and there was no um, like coddling. It was just very like, okay. And so then from there, she was like, let's get you, let's start working together. And so we started to work together and I flew that day. We did, um, we didn't do much. We just, we talked a lot. And then I started to go back to college. Well, I go back to college in December. I mean, in January, um, we begin kind of mapping out what we want yep, to yeah. start doing. And then um, COVID hit mm-hmm. and I had to go home. And it was almost like a bless. It was a blessing in disguise because yeah. I hated that college. It was horrible. And for my reasons, many people love San Diego State, not bashing San Diego State. But (laughs) and so I flew home and then it gave me even more time to work with her one on one. And we really just took off from there. And then I attended my first sacred way. And mind you, the growth of this is insane. So this was, I want to say, two, three years ago. And my sacred way had eight people our last sacred way had 47. So just the growth of this is insane. And, but that's really how I started my work with Miranda. And, okay. Yes. It's the growth is insane because, well, I think people are, people are ready. Mm -hmm. I agree. And also you guys are good teachers. Um, not the word good like oh you're so good but like powerful honest raw real like you just mentioned you met Miranda she didn't cuddle you or like you know it's just it's just straight up I'm like Miranda remember one point I was like you know I need to restore what I've because I'm kind of in the middle of 40 percent you know indigenous native Sonora Mexican and then the other percent, who knows where we flew in from, some Celtic, some Spanish. But I've always felt like I'm in between, and so I don't deserve this, don't deserve that, or I'm doing too much. But I've been torn since I was four or five years old that I can remember. Like, what? What are we doing? And so one of the things that I love about her and you is just like, yeah, whatever, let's work in it. Like, what? Mm-hmm. There's no explanation. There's no complications. There's no coddling. There's no, no, it's just, yeah. I know. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Like that deep knowing. Mm-hmm. How did you come to that deep knowing? Like what other work did you do or could you recommend for people besides going to work with you, of course? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that I've realized the most, especially as spirituality continues to blow up and almost becomes trendy, is there's a difference between like they intertwine, but your medicine and your character are two separate things, but they do work together. And I think a big message within that, at least what I've seen is 
you can be the most powerful quote unquote shaman. You can make people levitate. You can remove illnesses. You can do all of these things. But if you have a shitty character, that means nothing. If you are a person who is horrible, if you are someone who is manipulative, if you are someone who is extremely insecure, your medicine is going to be watered down and infiltrated within that. And so I think that deep knowing, I think that alignment of being able to really see people for where they're at is understanding like you're always in character development, same way you're always growing and learning your medicine. Because I think a big time is when people begin to do this work, as you see on Instagram, everyone sees, it's all about certifications and titles and names. And and it's like, great, cool. You have 60,000 certifications, but what did you learn? What is your character? What is your medicine develop within that? But I know before we even started, um, when we were talking a little bit before the recording, we talked about how the community names you. That's a big thing. You don't claim the title. And a lot of indigenous teachings The community calls you the shaman. The community calls you the healer. The community calls you whatever. And so that deep knowing comes from not even, it's just from like erasing any titles you can come from it, right? You, because you almost, your ego can build like this arsenal. But there's a thin line, you cross it and you become very egoic. And I think that is what keeps you in that deep knowing of there's always progression. There's always something new to learn. Yes. All of this certification thing is so funny to me. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I know. <laughs> if it's not at least two years long or a year long, then you're not. And that including practice and having your own, you know, but like, Oh, I got a one day certification and now I'm now a Reiki master. No girl. That is some major bullshit. But not to downplay that people are trying and that are growing into wanting and seeking something different. Of course not. But what I'm saying is, what I hear you say is, it's more of a, it's more of an inside job. At least what I tell, like my friends, my clients will ask me like, I want to do this search. I want to do this certification. Well, I think you already know how to do that i think mm-hmm. can you try for 60 days the discipline of every day sitting an hour and a half or two playing with that energy right sitting in silence in your altar going out connecting with the earth and then just see what happens mm-hmm. well and i think a big thing too is like all of it boils down to like why are you doing it and i think a lot of people are doing it because they want they want some type of recognition for being able to do something, which is then going to attract individuals to come to them. And a big thing is like, for example, tarot, I saw some tarot certificate and I was like, um, or you can just go on Biddy tarot and look up the definitions, you know, that's how I did. And then you work on your own with it. But the reason why is like, okay, cool. Everyone has a certificate. Why would someone want to come to you versus everyone else that has a certificate? It's because of your unique medicine and how you bring it forward. But if you don't spend time alone to figure out how you show up and what yours is, you're no different than Susan, John, and Billy. They all got the same certificate as you. You see what I'm saying? And that's what this work is really about is what can you uniquely bring and show up as? Yeah. And meanwhile, of course, you're you're growing into, I don't like, I like to say instead of like, and you're healing yourself. 
I don't know about that, but it's, that's true. But I feel like it's also, we can word it as like, you're growing into the remembering of why you even came here to begin with and what your mm-hmm. medicine is for you and for the world. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, so how is it living? Because I know, okay, so you're 21. And of course, you're hanging out at this amazing, you know, ranch with Miranda and you're doing all but how is it, how could other 2021 year olds, or how, how is it when you're out in the world with different, I guess, able 2021 year olds? And then how could we spread this into other people? Like, I guess that's kind of a loaded question. Let's start with the first one. Yeah. Well, I think the big message within all of this, and this is to anyone at any age, is you don't choose the work, the work chooses you. Mm. And I think that's a big part. A lot of people want to choose the work. They want to choose to serve ayahuasca. They want to choose to be a medicine woman or medicine man. They want to choose a traditional path. And that's not how this works. In any traditional teaching, that is not how it works. And so that's step one, because I did not choose to do this work. I really didn't. Um, I love what I do, but for a minute there, for a long time, there's a lot of battles of, you want to know what? It'd be so fun right now to just be a 21 year old and go to Miami and party on a yacht and be shit faced and, you know, not give a fuck about the world. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's also understanding the responsibility and the, 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 it's the responsibility I have over and for people. It's like, People come to me when they have very deep sorrows and depressions and issues and addictions. And for me to be like, okay, go do your shadow work for your alcoholism. And then for me to go out and do that, it's like, it's what is the example? You you need to be the example. And I think a big thing is when you're 21 and when you're young, you're not so focused on being the example. You're really selfish in that sense. And I'm not saying 21 year olds are selfish, but at that age, you're very you focused. You want to discover what's for you. But there's nothing that's for me that's been more rewarding than this work. When I see people that were literally suicidal come to sacred ways and leave and have this new relationship with their partners and showing up as the parents they wish to be and no longer addicted. It's just these, that is worth more than any weekend in Miami to me. And it's the priorities. It's the it's the choice as well. You always have the choice in this work. And that's the big thing. So for anyone that is young, it's also understanding at what caliber you're meant to show up at. Not, and that was something I also talked about is not everyone is here to be a keeper. Not everyone here is to be a medicine man, a medicine woman, a holy man, a holy woman. Not everyone is here to play those roles. And when you realize that where your role is, it's easier for you to process it. I know that I have, clearly I have a big responsibility because it's been, it's, it was made very present very quickly and I know the power of it. And so for anyone that is young that's listening to this, I encourage you to reflect on who you want to be in this world and why. Yeah, the why is, is very big. And I love the shift that is happening through young kids like you Mm-hmm. And um, to really know that the why isn't just 
this consumerism, you know, like making money and getting it. I'm the most famous tarot reader and I have 50 million thousand followers on Instagram. Right. I mean, good for you. That's great. Because <laughs> that's, that shouldn't, you know, that the anxiety of wanting that to be the goal is, um, is crippling. And also it's just really, we're all going right. to die. So you had more followers. I mean, it's not, so, um, so, okay. So looking into the why, if you're trying to do this work. Um, and I guess it's also like a self-study, right? Of like observing. I mean, I struggle with this a lot. Since I was your age, I was out there trying to change the world and getting a lot of crap about it. Mm-hmm. And I had my own journey. But, but what I've learned now, many years later, is, well, obviously one, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I don't think I ever cared, but sometimes that shame did come in and it's like, okay, I need to work this out. I need to like try to do these things, but it's really just an observing, which is something, an observing of what you mentioned at the beginning is to be able to see where people are at. Mm. Um, because we can go from one shaming straight to the other. Right. Can't you see what they're doing? Yeah. Um, Okay, so tell us what is, if you would like, if I want to have a session with you, um, because I can talk about the cord cutting that we did, <laughs> which was crazy. Um, I guess I could say that, and then you can explain it. Sure. About that. So, here, so I'm in the sacred way, and, um, Cole and uh, some of the other um, amazing beings that were there had different options, right? So some cord cutting and this kind of healing, energy and whatever. And I was like, cool, I think I need a cord cutting. So I'm on. And then I didn't even think about it. And when we're just sitting there, you come right up to me and you're like, hey, let's go. I'm like, what? Where are we going? Because from the medicine field, walk all the way over across. We're here in this like green meadow and I walk over and you're like, okay, we're going to start doing this cord cutting. And I've done like cord cuttings before. Um, I, I just always thought, okay, well, this is whatever, cutting the cord, sure. Because I have been, I was very programmed that that was a bunch of bullshit. Even though I saw things move, I talked to spirit, I felt these energies all my life. The programming is so deep in there, that software. Mm-hmm. That even, I mean, you, that's why I'm all about having experiences and touching it in person so that you can begin to have an ease with deprogramming and rid of that software. But so that being said, you start with the corking and it's like, I don't want to be controlled by what I think a father should be, what I think a husband should be. You know, I'm 50 years old, so I have a different mindset and I'm Mexican. So the upbringing, even though I'm at the border and I'm a lot freer because I'm half Gringa, half American, there's still that deep rootedness and ancestral rootedness. Of, hey, this is how things are. This is how you behave. This is what you do as a woman. And it sucks because even when you're not doing that, you can still be held back subconsciously. So that was my intention for this court. And you start in there, you start cutting the cords, like you brought up this knife and I'm like, you're gonna close your eyes. And I thought, oh my God, you better not fuck up with that. That's a sharp knife. <laughs> Don't cut me. You're cutting those cords and you're telling your, you know, <clears throat> speaking your intentions and the powerful words and i don't really remember a hundred percent what happened but i remember opening my eyes for a few seconds 
And Miranda has like six or seven horses just running around free all in her property. And these horses were jumping and running around us in circles and just, and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Like, yeah. Horses, they're helping us. You see all the answers. And I was like, oh, oh, it was so fucking cool to just see like, I've known all along that this shit is real and that we can touch this power, this realm, this magic. And that, this colonialism and toxic religions and whatever years and years and years of oppression have come in can begin to lift as we have these experiences. So number one, thank you for that. I go back to it often. Of course. And then number two, how do you do it? What happens? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe don't spread all the secrets, but just a little bit of like, what what is that? Cord cuttings again, they're a they're an ancient teaching, so they're traditional teachings. So I can't give you all the juice, right? That's part of the part of all the things. But basically what cord cuttings are is it's again the spiritually and the new ageism likes to take words and then make them into something new. So cord cuttings out there are just you burn, you write the name and you burn it in a fire and the cords cut, and that's not how you do a cord cutting. Cord cuttings are done through Long story short, the reason why they're so intense is so I, Cole, I am not present when the cord cutting is being done. Mm. You have an instigator energy. And so my instigator energy comes in and then she helps cut the cord. And it's very intense. And the instigator's whole point is to break you, is to expose the cord. Because a lot of people come into cord cuttings thinking, oh, there's nothing there. And then the instigator is able to really infiltrate and get into those spaces and push it out. And when that happens, the cord begins to like shift and push itself out of you. And then the cutting of the cord happens and you're literally slashing, breaking all of the cords. And when that happens, it's like a ripple in the physical and people collapse. I've had people fall on me. I think you're actually one of them. I think you fell on me. I've had um, people puke. I mean, it's because it's, it's a release. It's, and that's the point of a cord cutting is you're releasing something. And then the horses, right? They're literally stomping the ground, like buck, like literally running around us like a carousel. It was yeah. insane. And they were just pounding the floor, releasing the energy. Because it was also, I remember yours, it was a bit of the ancestral and like the women in the chains that were holding their arms. The horses were, were stomping on the chains, breaking them, liberating them. And so a cord cutting, it's intense. Your blood boils. Your heart is racing. It's something that is, it's a release. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be. And so that is really the point of a cord cutting. And so cord cuttings, for me, that's another thing too with a lot of the traditional teachings is they can't be done virtually. They can't be done remote. Like that, for example, I can't do a cord cutting to you over the phone. Like it, I can do shadow work with you, but I can't, I can do healings. I can do some healings over the phone with you, but that cord cutting modality that really needs to be done in person. And so those ones, I, I tend to offer only like two services at sacred ways because again, it's the potency. You want to really lock in on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, by the way, everyone, all of this was 150% sober. No mm-hmm. plant medicines, yeah. nada. No, so, medicine. no medicine. And so that is even more profound because you feel like you're on some something 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, like this energetic release was, um, mm-hmm. was huge. I'm still integrating it. I mean, you know, yeah. that's another thing that I've learned too about quote unquote magic. The new age or the colonial age or whatever we think is like, ding, oh, there it is. Cinderella has her dress. No, no, these situations happen and there's a shift. But then two, three months later, even six years later, you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it takes time and so this even though time isn't really a thing but eventually you know you start to integrate these things and mm-hmm. um i'm still constantly going back to like okay you've energetically felt this release those horses were running around like oh my gosh and nobody was prompting i mean it's just like you know i was there with you i remember you speaking french for a while and yes falling <laughs> and it was raining too it was pouring yeah. rain outside in Colorado um and I'm still integrating it still working it into really more of my thought patterns because I think physically I know that it's gone I feel like the lift but these these tricky thoughts come in once in a while I want to take you back and it's like no well and that's the shadow work part you mm-hmm. know it's like we can do, that's my, that's my favorite thing now is like, and I tell people this all the time when they come to me is they say, my, the thing I tell them is you don't need a healing, you need shadow work. Because that's the big thing is people are like, oh, I have all this ancestral pain, but I've done 10,000 ancestral healings and I have an altar form. And it's like, okay, then why the fuck is there still a wound? Clearly you're, there's something being missed. And the whole thing is your shadow work. You need to under identify your ancestral shadow or shadows. And that's the part where it's like, okay, you did the etheric, you did the spiritual cleansing. Now it's time for you to do the physical, which is through like your Olympias, which is through your baths, whatever it is that you identify it. And then you need to do the shadow work, which is not only it integrates all three of you purging and clearing out the spirit, clearing the mind, identifying the way that it basically shows up in you and influences you and also within the body. And that is why this was a great segue. Thank you. That is why. One of the main services and one of the main works I do now is shadow work. I exclusively focus now for is on shadow work. The reason being is I'm seeing this healing work continue to rise, which is beautiful and great. But there's a lot of people out there doing the healing work. There's not a lot doing the shadow work. Yeah. And so we need people doing that. And so that is a service I offer is shadow work. It's really okay. It's like a four-step process. We got to recognize you got some shit going on in you. We got to realize where it shows up in you. We have to release the shadow. But then more importantly, why we do shadow work is for you to recover your truest self, to really remember who the fuck you are. Because we can sometimes really spiral in the shadows and get caught up in all the things that we're doing wrong. But the reason we do shadow work is to liberate ourselves from that, to step into who we know we can be. Thank you. So is shadow work... For our listeners that are like, what are you talking about? Shadow work would be, it's not really like psychotherapy, but it's getting into like why you act this specific way, why these thoughts have been ingrained in your mind and becoming aware of where you're the only one getting in the way because you don't want to feel this pain because you don't want to touch that abusive day because you don't want to, I mean, I have clients and I have friends that think their parents are amazing. Mm. And yes, they might be amazing, but they fucked you up. Maybe <laughs> not intentionally. Right. Why can't you see that? You have to right. go through that first, you know, 
kick it, scream it, notice it, be aware of it. And then eventually later in the integration, you'll understand and have a, you know, compassion for them. But if you're holding that, I mean, is that some type of shadow work? Oh, of course. And I think a big thing too, which like, that's really what I've dedicated. I've realized my life to is like shadow work and helping people understand it. Cause it's everything you said of there's people it's shadow work is really about accountability. Mm-hmm. It is being accountable for your own shit and the shit that's happened to you. And like shadow work in my definition is it is confronting all of the suppressed and hidden parts of yourself. Cause it's all the things you don't deem as pretty and shadow work is not pretty. And I think that's why not a lot of people want to do it because it's scary at times, and, but it's real. You see real results in shadow work. You can see real results in healing, but if you combine a healing with some shadow work, it's like, it, it's better than any prescription, any therapy you can go to because in itself, shadow work is a form of therapy. If you think of it, it really is prophesying your own shit, but it's less of me telling you what's wrong with you and me helping guide you through it. And then you realizing like, holy shit, I am this way because of this. And then tracking the shadow. And then realizing where it shows up in your ancestry, in your family, in your friends, in your career, and seeing how it feeds. People have such a hard time seeing where these shadows feed. And that's why I'm so prominent on shadow work. Yeah, it's, um, and I love the way you teach too. You're so straight up. Your videos are the best because it's like, there's no bullshit. No. And I think that's how it needs to be, you know, like. Not aggressive, obviously, but just like, come on now. Right. You know, you've been coming back here 15 years, tell me the same thing. It's about time. Right, <laughs> right. And I think that's why people also feel so like drawn to shadow work. It's because there is like a no bullshit policy with it. Like the more vulnerable, the more real you can be with shadow work, the more healing you will see. I have people come into shadow work sessions and they're like, think that they're above all because they have 10,000 certificates and that they come from this lineage and that they do all these things. But then deep down with it, it is, and I call it out. I'm like, oh, okay. I let them do their ramble. And I go, okay, <laughs> so let's talk about your insecurity and your titles. And they're like, what? And they get taken back. And that, but people need that initial shock to their system for them to realize like, wait, what? And the crumbling that like it disintegrates in front of them, this whole persona, their identity shadow literally breaks in front of them. And they're like, what is this? And then I'm like, yes, now we begin. And it's such a powerful transformation that happens. Yeah. You're not your titles. And then, yeah. So the integration of it is, is what I'm hearing is like, you do your light work healing, but you do the shadow work and Mm -hmm. then you're integrating into, into wholeness. Um, because otherwise it's, I don't know, to me, like I see some of these love and lights and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't, I have to unfollow you. It's just too much. Um, and then I also feel a lot of compassion, but I don't think, um, it's helpful in any way, shape or form because you don't, um, I don't know. It's just like a myth. It's just like the. Mm-hmm. like the sale the sale of the year right <laughs> literally and that's my big thing which is my huge if any of y'all and you will soon find out if you not have found out from this is i have i have a very strong opinion on the love and light community <laughs> and the reason being is it is so skewed 
It is so like disassociate, forget what's happening, go into the love, go into the light, ascend into the 5D. And it's like, okay, great. But how are you going to do that without facing reality, without seeing that children are dying, without seeing the mass murders, without seeing our earth burning? Like, and so that's why the love and light community are oftentimes really scared by me. Anytime I post something, anytime, I am guaranteed at least two comments from some love and light person telling me that I'm wrong or telling me that they love me and that they pray for me and all the things. And for me, the love and light community is no different than the extreme Bible thumpers that tell me that Jesus is going to save me. It's the same extremes, just a different God. And that is the part that I think is really intense for people to understand of just because you're calling something spirit doesn't mean that you're not escaping from reality. It's a form of escapism. Yes. And also a lot of people don't want to do the work. And mm-hmm. so grab onto this, especially the Bible thumpers. And the, this is like they're a harem. This is like the exactly. And they don't want to let go. And so, you know, the shadow work, you know, the way you say things, because I get a lot of messages too. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it's like you they're being threatened, right? They're being pulled into. So, you know, and if you're listening, you know, like, I don't know, the shadow work, have compassion with yourself. Take, it's, it's little by little, like everything else. It's really worth it. Number one, because what are you doing with just love and light, with just your Bible thumper? I mean, you're living in your own little fantasy world. And, oh, I'm just going to pray for this, or I just watched this Netflix documentary, and I feel really good. No. We're here to work and, and produce some type of growth. Then we have to do the work so that you can come back into the world with good fertilizer for that seed you're planting. Exactly. You know, it's not miracle growth. <laughs> coming up with all this. <laughs> I love that. I saying that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a big part. And the other thing too, which I thought was powerful, but again, we could talk for hours, but something I really want to touch on as well is when you said, when we did the cord cutting, that we didn't use any plant medicines, no medicines mm-hmm. were used. And a big thing I want to touch on is, Within many, 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 almost all, I say that, yes, almost all traditional paths, you do not touch plant medicines until you have developed your own medicine. And so many individuals are seeking and going to ayahuasca, to mushrooms, to peyote, to God knows what, Mm -hmm. fucking anything really to get this high and they shoot out of their bodies. It's the first time they've ever left their spirit from their body. They're having these insane experiences. Some are really good. Some are extremely horrifying. Because yeah. again, just because you're taking ayahuasca doesn't mean you're going to shoot straight up. You'll go straight down as well. And mm-hmm. going into those spaces when you don't even know what your chakras are, for an example, when you don't even know what a shadow is, we don't even know what a spirit keeper is. All of those terms, when you don't know anything and you're taking and consuming it is harmful. And that is a big part that I play here. And that's a huge thing we push at the sacred way. And even me and my medicine is we really need to focus on before you go and take any plant medicine, before you go sit with anything, I encourage you to really find your own medicine. And how do you do that? You do that through going into your own healings. You do that by going into your own shadow work. You do that by going in to yourself and understanding how you show up so that when you do go into a plant ceremony, you're not so scared and lost and naive to the medicines that are about to come to you. 
Yeah, and that you're aware of who you're trusting yourself into. Mm, because there is a lot of charlatans out there giving medicine. And I remember one of the ayahuasca ceremonies that I went to, there was like 50 people there. And they asked me to come and guide a meditation and lead a yoga class before it was like this huge festival. And I show up there and it was like wholly unorganized. There's no, I mean, I asked the organizer, like, hey, when are we going to do this? Um, what time is the class? Like, where's the schedule? What's going on? It was a disaster. It's like, I don't know, hold on. People coming and going. Next thing you know, there was like no yogas, no meditation, nothing. And I wasn't the organizer. And, you know, I was like, all right, I guess we're just going to go with the flow. Right. No one's going to talk about intention. And they had these shamans coming in from Peru. One of them didn't even um, speak English. I mean, it was just, it was what it was supposed to be, whatever. It worked out. But I saw the sloppiness of trusting yourself into, you know, so many people came trusting like, okay, I'm going to heal. And I, I trust. Right? The great mystery knows what it's doing. But at the same time, you have to know who you're giving yourself over to. Have you practiced prior to coming in there, like you said, with your shadow work, with your, you know, with finding your own medicine? And for some people, they're like, what do you mean finding my own medicine? I would suggest doing a lot of body work too meditation, dance, yoga, being outside in nature, you know, sitting with teachers that resonate with you that you trust and that you um feel like something amazing is coming and we're all going to have shitty teachers once in a while right it's a long journey but who you're trusting yourself into Mm -hmm. it's also very big um so yes along with what you said first do the work um Mm -hmm. and then after the medicine integrate what happened I see yeah. some of my friends that are doing ayahuasca like every freaking weekend or every three weekends. And it's been years, Cole. Like four or five years, I'm like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, then what's happening too, what I'm seeing is, especially with ayahuasca, because that one is just taken off. That one and mushrooms are really taken off. But especially with ayahuasca, those that do those retreats like every month and they go, even honestly, more than once a year, I feel like is too much for you to not integrate. And the big thing, what I'm seeing is people that are going once a month are going over and over and over. One, it is an addiction. We just have to face it. It is an addiction. You are addicted to the high. You are addicted to your spirit leaving. And what's the scarier part than that is I remember one of the individuals, I saw her in person and I never spoke to her in person before until she came in person and I saw her. And I remember hugging her. And she was very addicted to um, ayahuasca. She did ayahuasca, like, I want to say twice. I want to say she did ayahuasca every two weeks and then hape every morning. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of plant medicine to be consuming. And when I hugged her, her spirit is like, you have a tether. And it was like out of her. Mm -hmm. And that is what's happening is when we are consistently abusing these plant medicines and we're not integrating the spirit back into the body, it's just going to continue to drift off. And out and out and out. And that's what we talk about when we say integrating is your spirit shot out of its body is seeing having this amazing or terrifying experience, both are needed, and pull it back in and integrate. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of physical, like physical work of Mm -hmm. dancing and yoga or 
um, meditation, laying flat on the floor outside in the garden or on the beach <laughs> right? for an hour. There you go. <laughs> Integrate mm-hmm. that. Right. Yes. But thank you for saying that. It's very important. especially. I mean, I get so many messages too, like, I want to do a ceremony. I want to do this. I'm like, well, of course. Um, but first, you know, hop onto my mindfulness magic. Like, let's, let's learn how to you be in your body and, and bring back your mind into the body for at least you know, several months. Along mm-hmm. with work, along with this, along with that, being inside the body is because um, we're we're in it for a reason, right? I think that's a big piece people forget is they want to they think that the world that they see now in the body they have is mundane because they have it every day, and it's like the big message that I, like I want to share from that is like don't wait till something is gone to be grateful for it, right? Mm. Like when you're really sick, you're, you're always, oh my gosh, I took for being healthy so much for granted and you know, all that stuff. And it's like, don't wait for that to happen to you with spirit and this work. Don't wait for you to get your shit rocked in the other realm that to the point where you can't come back into your body fully, you know, see the beauty of the world now, see the beauty of this. So yes, very big within integrating back into the physical. Yeah. It's a discipline, right? It's a, mm-hmm. this is the daily discipline. Because I think more than anything, and I know that you practice this, and so does Miranda, and so should we all that are listening, is a daily discipline of integrating, of bringing the body of gratitude, of allowing um, whatever your practice is to be with you daily, you know, so that you can then go out and do love and light work or shadow work or medicine or whatever, but yeah, bringing it back to, this is a funny word, but the incarnation. <laughs> yeah, no, but it really is. Mm-hmm. They just have messed up that word with the church bullshit, but it's true. I mean, if anything, that's a really powerful word. It um, is. Yes, it's the same as embodiment, but I just think incarnation, incarnation just sounds so much more, mm-hmm. ah, this is juicy, you know, it's, um. Oh, this has been so fun. Yes, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell us if you if you would like where people can find you. What are your offerings? Um, like if I want to work with you, like what do I do? Yeah, so if you are feel so inclined to come work and do some shadow work, um, you can find me on Instagram at Creator Cole. Um, my website is also linked in the bio. My website is also Creator Cole. Um, I encourage you before booking a shadow work session to book a call to see if this is for you. Because again, mm. shadow work is something that we all need, but not all of us are ready for at points. And so really, I encourage you to book a call first. Um, Instagram is really the best way to reach me um, and the website. Yeah. It's good. Um, I will also put on the notes here, on the podcast notes, your your Instagram handle and your webpage and all the goodness. So I hope you come back and we can do this like every two, three months to just come in and see. Yeah, of course. Um, and also when you follow Cole on Instagram, he does these really cool like astrological downloads and readings and it's always fun to just to listen to you and see what's happening and be like, oh, 
This makes sense. This makes sense. So thank you for guiding so many of us into that, um, into that wisdom, into that knowledge. And bless you, child, for being so powerful. Um, no, it's, it's very important. It's very important. In particular, because my daughter now has someone that's also like the same age, the same mentality. And she's like, okay, this is real what I feel, I think, what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So any parents out there, you know, a lot of you are, <laughs> some, some of you are my age. You know, send your kids here. I get a lot of teenagers. I get a lot of parents that send me their teens just because you can relate because I'm, you know. But so now you can also send me. <laughs> yes. Thank you everyone for joining us. Um, please share and subscribe and send this to all of your friends that you think might like it and those that might not. Everyone needs to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time.